outline or turn in your Bibles to John 6, verses 22 through 27. If you don't have a sermon outline, put up your hand and I'll ask David James to get a bulletin to you. Just put up your hand. David, you go grab a few of those. If you don't have one, he will get that for you. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. The other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on Him, God the Father has set His seal. So far the reading of God's Word. And if you are a guest today, We come to an event that follows the day after the feeding of the 5,000. And and as Pastor Martin taught us, it could have been up to 20,000 people when you include the women and children and other folks who were there. This magnificent display of uh, the, the, the power and the authority and the grace of Jesus Christ. And then, after his good teaching, and he has healed a man who was lame, the the crowd gets so excited that their enthusiasm is amplified, and we are told they even intended to make Jesus king. What does Jesus do? He withdraws. Because his kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. His kingdom is a spiritual kingdom, not with geographical boundaries, But the kingdom of Jesus Christ will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. So Jesus withdraws and he sends his disciples away. All right? And remember what happened as they sail across the ocean of the sea. A storm comes up and the disciples are afraid. And Jesus walks on the water, comes to them. And in that beautiful display of his power and his presence, With his people, he calms the storm, and it says he got them to the other side, to their destination. Now, our text tells us that the crowd wakes up the next day, and they get hungry again. And it tells us that now they come out, and these are the two operative words of our text, seeking Jesus, seeking Jesus. Jesus. And we learned three points from this passage. Number one, seeking Jesus is a good thing. Number two, seeking Jesus for the wrong reasons is a bad thing. And number three, seeking Jesus for the right reasons leads to eternal life. So let's uh, have a brief look at this passage. And what we find is that as they are on 
now stirred up by what they have seen and heard about Jesus Christ. They are seeking Jesus, and I just want to tell you, that's a good thing. The Bible often speaks in beautiful way, wonderful ways of those who seek the Lord. The Magi, remember at Christmas time, the three kings or however many kings there were? They said to Herod, we come seeking him who is born king of the Jews. And when King David reflects on his own spiritual journey in Psalm 27, verse 8, he lifts up his heart to the Lord and he says, You said to me, seek my face, your face, O Lord, I will seek. And that's the testimony of every person who stood before you this morning and every Christian seated around you in this room. God said, God spoke, God called, God summoned, seek my face. And the response of King David is every one of our responses, your face, O Lord, I will see. It's a good thing to seek the Lord. And I look around Long Island and I run into people all the time and they are seeking Some of them are actually seeking Jesus. And when you hear the stories of people who come to faith in Christ, sometimes it goes like this. I I was hopeless. This world is so discouraging. And I heard that Jesus is the God of hope. And I wondered, can Jesus give me hope? And they seek Jesus. Other people wrestle with a life of regret and guilt. Guilt and regret. It's a terrible thing to live with guilt. The things that I did that were wrong, the things I should have done that I didn't do. Guilt is a terrible thing and regret. And I have heard in the name of Jesus there is forgiveness and I wonder, can Jesus forgive my sins? And someone else says, me, I was just coasting through life, and I discovered that I was just living to pay the bills. I was just living for the next next exam in high school, the next test that the teacher gave me. I was just on the, 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 the hamster wheel of life around and around and around. I had no direction. It's almost like they pushed the pause button on the VCR or the DVD, and I was going nowhere fast, and then I heard that Jesus is the good shepherd. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And I wondered, could Jesus actually give me direction in life? Or maybe one of the most common is I need help raising my kids. I haven't thought about God for a long time, and then I got kids, and all of a sudden I started to think, you know, I have some sort of responsibility and obligation to put a moral compass in my children, and I have no clue how to do that, but I have heard that there is a God, and His ways are right, and Jesus said, let the little children come to me. I think I better get acquainted with Jesus for the sake of my children. And a lot of people, I was one this, with one this week, begin to think about Jesus as they realize they are going to die. And they wonder, what happens when I die? They've heard that Jesus speaks about eternal life 
and they wonder, can Jesus give me eternal life? You see, what's going on in every one of those hearts is a kind of restlessness that leads to seeking. And one of the great church fathers, St. Augustine, gave one of the most quoted statements ever. What did Augustine say? He said, you have made us that our hearts are restless. You ha- now he says, you have formed us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. And this is true. Look on the inside of your bulletin. You know, if you open the bulletin, the, the flap right inside, we, we have something there. Every week it's there. Do you know what it says? It says, to all who are spiritually weary and seek rest, to all who mourn and long for comfort, to all who struggle and desire hope, to all who sin and need a Savior, to all who are strangers and yearn for fellowship, to all who hunger and thirst after righteousness, and to whosoever will come, this church opens wide her doors in the name of the risen Lord Jesus Christ. I love that, don't you? Is this true of us? People out there are hurting. People out there are on the hamster wheel, and they are restless as you were restless. Can you tell them that we open wide our doors in the name of the risen Lord Jesus Christ? Is this true of us? I tell you, you know, it's not just the positive welcome, but in in Matthew 23, there is maybe the most terrible passage in the Bible. There are a few terrible passages in the Bible. But maybe the worst is when Jesus condemns the leaders the religious leaders, and he speaks to pastors and preachers and elders. And he says in Matthew 23, 13, but woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You know why? Why is he mad at them? For you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would. Who are those who would? The seekers. Here's someone genuinely seeking, and you religious leaders, shut the door on him. And Jesus says, you are a son of hell when you do that. Oh, Jesus, ouch. Every pastor better hear that. Instead, we open wide our doors in the name of the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Come and find your rest in him. Is there a kid in your school? Is there someone in your school? who's interested in the issues of life? Is there someone at work on your job site who is wondering about how to raise their children or how to be at peace? Is there someone you know who is sick and afraid? At the sporting event, in those endless endless soccer games as you stand on the sidelines and you talk to the other dad who's just there waiting for the game to be over. Can you talk to them and speak to them of the restlessness solved by Jesus Christ in a relation? Come on, 
They need to hear of Jesus. Find the ones who are seeking and welcome, welcome them in. But point number two is that Jesus also shows us that seeking him for the wrong reasons is a bad thing. And look what we find here in verse 27. We find they actually do find Jesus in Capernaum, on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, most likely in the synagogue. These next number of weeks, we're going to study this sermon that Jesus is giving, and it says, and they left the synagogue, and it begins here. So they must be in the synagogue. They call him rabbi, and they say, how did you get here? You didn't get in the boat. It takes a long time to walk around. How did you get here? And did you notice Jesus doesn't answer their question? He does not address what they want to know. In fact, it's really interesting. What do they do? What does he say? He speaks to them about their motives for even being here. And he gives us another one of these truly, truly statements, right? They're important. Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes. And we see something extraordinary about Jesus Christ that is not true of us. We might think it's true of us, but, but Jesus knows the heart. He knows people's hearts. He sees the heart. 1 Samuel 16, do you know the passage, verse 7? For the Lord sees, not as man sees, man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And so Jesus does expose the motives of our heart. What does He find in their hearts? What He finds is for them, it's all about their needs. It's all about the fact that Jesus is that great vending machine for them. Because you see, just yesterday, he took a couple of little loaves of bread and fed 20,000 people. And we're here for more. And he says, listen, I'm not the vending machine. That's not what it's about. It's not about the fact that I gave you the food. I gave you the food because you were hungry and that was right. But you need something so much more important than just the bread that filled your belly. Okay? That's what he's saying. And if you only want food that perishes, you are mistaken. You know, in the ancient world, life was largely about food, wasn't it? Getting food. And you will recall, they didn't have refrigerators. Has <laughs> anybody here ever... Drunk milk that turns sour. Young people, there will be a day coming when you're going to pour out the milk into the glass and it's going to look fine and you're going to drink it. <laughs> you're going to discover it was, in, it was past its due date. You know, I, I'm so cheap, I don't like to throw out food. My poor wife, it's hard for her to live with me. And so don't throw it away. I'll eat it. I'm the leftover king of Oyster Bay. And uh, so those, those little plastic containers sit in the back, and Nina knows she's not supposed to throw them out. And there'll be those times when she'll come into the kitchen, and I'm standing with one of those plastic containers with the chicken and rice from three weeks ago, smiling and eating right there. She just shakes her head. 
you know, God gave me an iron stomach. But in those days, food perishes. You get a chicken in the market, and it does not take long before it is spoiled. The milk spoils. The bread grows moldy. And Jesus says, if you're just looking for perishable food, you are mistaken. Is this something you need to hear today? It's something I need to hear. Because of my massive self preoccupation, it's all about me. Even God is all about me. And I might as well pray, our butler who art in heaven, give me what I want. Mercy. Jesus says, there's bread that you need that leads to eternal life. And we don't want to be a church that says to those seeking Jesus, well, it's all about you and we're just all about getting you wealthy and getting you healthy and getting you a little stress relief. And because when a church does that, when a church says it's all about feeding you, getting you just health and wealth, and if, if that's all we're about, we are violating the very thing Jesus is telling us here. Okay? And so, I want to camp out just for a few minutes in this third point where Jesus says, seek me for the right reasons. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on Him, God the Father has set His seal. And this third point is just this, what are you seeking? What are you pursuing? What are you working for? And what should come to our minds is that amazing parallel passage in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, 33. Another passage about seeking. Our opening song this morning came from Matthew 6, 33. Did you hear it? But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. You know how Jesus ends that sentence? And all these things, the other things... The food, yeah, you need food, of course you need food. Shelter, of course you need shelter and clothing. And all these things will be added to you. But first, church, seeker, seek the food that does not perish but leads to eternal life. You know, I read a testimony this week by a man named Alistair McGrath. You may not know that name. He's one of the greatest Christian thinkers alive today, a professor of philosophy at Oxford University. And when he went to Oxford, he was an atheist, Alistair McGrath, a convinced atheist. And in his first semester at Oxford, a friend introduced him to, the, to Christianity. And he started teaching him the Christian biblical worldview. And Alexander McGrath said, in my brain, I suddenly knew Christianity was true. The biblical worldview was the right way to understand the world and the universe around us. And intellectually, he was enthralled with Christianity. But he said, I was like the guy 
who read books about France but never went to France. I was like the guy who read all about romance but never fell in love. And then he says, I read Philippians 3, 7 and 8. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And he said, all that I thought was gold crumbled to dust because Jesus became everything. Isn't that beautiful? You know, one of the greatest minds, and this should encourage those of you in college, those of you in high school, Christianity is intellectually credible. That's not all that it is, but it is intellectually credible. Alistair McGrath is great proof of that, but he says it's not enough. You must travel those long 18 inches from the head to the heart, as it were. And have you come to that place where Jesus is not just one interest among many, but He is first, and you seek Him first, and then all these things will be added to you. This food, this bread, who will give it to you? Suddenly Jesus Christ, who has displayed His majesty and His deity in the healing of the lame man, in the feeding of the 5,000, the, in the walking across the sea and calming the storm, Jesus tells us who will give you this bread. Who is it? The Son of Man. The Son of Man will give it to you. Eleven times in the Gospel of John, Jesus refers to Himself with this title. Do you know where that comes from? This is not about His humanity, that Jesus is fully human, though that is true. Do you know where this comes from? It comes from the book of Daniel, chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, when the Son of Man is revealed, and this is a revelation of majesty, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a Son of Man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him, and his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is a kingdom that shall not pass away. Jesus says, that's me. And he will give you the food of eternal life. Do you see it? You won't see it unless He gives you eyes to see it. And here is something very humbling about seeking. It says in the book of Romans 3, 11 and 12, no one understands, no one seeks God. No one. In a few weeks we'll get to John six forty four. Jesus says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And yet, once your eyes begin to open and you are humbled before the Ancient of Days, you are humbled before the Son of Man, and there is a hunger 
for the food that endures to eternal life. There is a thirst that will not be slaked by any amount of money, by any offering of sex, by any position of power. There is a thirst in your soul, and suddenly you know that only God will solve and slake that thirst. And your eyes are open. You can be sure, and I love this, that He will give it to you. And notice the word give. He will give. You're going to work for this food, but guess what? It's a gift. (laughs) You're going to seek for it, but it's a gift. Because grace is grace. Grace is a gift. Eternal life is a gift. Freely given by Jesus. And this Son of Man will give it to you. Believe the gospel. It's not about the crackers. It's not about the bread and butter. It's not. It's about Him. It's about Him. These next weeks, don't miss these next weeks. Bring your friends these next couple of weeks. For now Jesus is going to say, I am the bread of life. He he who believes in me will never die. The bread that I give is my life. The cross of Christ is where the bread is broken for you. You don't want to miss this. Come and see that He is the bread of life that every restless soul hungers for. What about you? He will give it. He will give it. He who asks, it will be given to you. Jesus says, seek and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Let's pray. We thank you, bread of heaven. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that our hungry souls are fed by you. We pray, O Lord, we will be disciples who are always seeking you. Before we are a Christian, we sought you. But after we become a Christian, we seek you still and we seek first your kingdom. Put inside of us that holy hunger, that holy hunger, O Lord, we pray, that will characterize this church family. Hunger for you, thirst for you, and gladness of heart to be with you. Oh, Lord, we thank you for this revelation of yourself as the Son of Man, and we worship you. Receive our worship in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and be finished as